so this first story that I want to cover is on two of your favorite topics, Hillary and Russia, too. Yeah, I know. Those aren't actually your favorite topics, are they? <laughs> That's okay. But we're going to uh, let's see what Hillary had to say, because she's been going on kind of a speaking tour and who, you know, it's not even really in the news very much that she's on the speaking tour with good old Bill. But this time she was on her own. And we have this piece in Mediaite that will talk about exactly what she said. Hillary Clinton, GOP must choose the rule of law or the rule of Trump. And this is by Connor Mannion. It was released today. Let's just listen to this little clip. Um, Hillary Clinton was at Dartmouth, so Hillary Clinton discusses Mueller report, impeachment, election meddling at Dartmouth. Presidential nominee Hillary Clinton discussed foreign policy and other topics at Dartmouth College last night. Her visit came just hours after the House Judiciary Committee voted to hold Attorney General William Barr in contempt of Congress over his refusal to appear and release the unredacted Mueller report. Clinton stopped short of saying lawmakers should move forward on articles of impeachment for the president and said that lawmakers shouldn't jump to do that. She also said that Russian election meddling in 2016 absolutely impacted the Results. But I think that Putin has a very clear agenda, uh, which is to weaken not only our democracy, but all of the uh, Western democracy. So I actually, this is going to, to kind of have two trains of thought for me. So we have Hillary talking about Russia wanting to kind of take over Western democracies and uh, insert their power wherever they can. I think that's 100% true. It's absolute, like why wouldn't? It's Putin. Of course he wants to be powerful and have power absolutely everywhere. It's, he wants that. There's no, there are no two ways about it. But what she's trying to insinuate is that Trump is already in his pocket, you know, just like corporate Dems, all, you know, refuse to not believe. They strongly, strongly believe that Trump is in Putin's pocket. Nothing can dissuade them. Yes, Russia did try to meddle in our elections. They did meddle in our elections. But it wasn't a collusion with Trump. Yes, Russia always tries to meddle in our elections. Newsflash. <laughs> and we... The United States, the good old USA, the best country on earth, or so they say, we try to meddle in all kinds of elections. Another newsflash. We are not good either. But Hillary is trying to make those connections and being her old Hillary self. It's, it's Hillary. Democratic 2016 presidential candidate Hillary Clinton was in New Hampshire Wednesday night where she cautioned the current struggles between Congress and President Donald Trump will show whether it's the rule of law or the rule of Trump. Speaking at a wide-ranging event held at Dartmouth College, the former U.S. Secretary of State under President Barack Obama argued the Trump administration's recent de defiance of subpoenas and claim of executive authority will lead to big court fights. We'll see whether it's the rule of law or the rule of Trump that the Republicans and 
Congress and in courts are going to abide by, Clinton said. Clinton also spoke about the U.S. Intelligence Committee's conclusion that the Russian government attempted to interfere with the outcome of the 2016 election, saying she took it as a badge of honor that she really annoyed Russian President Vladimir Putin. Why on earth is this woman saying that she takes it as a badge of honor that Vladimir Putin interfered in the 2016 election? Aren't you supposed to be super against that, Hill? Yeah, you are. But because it involves you, you get to make this stupid joke that, oh, I annoyed him so much that he was willing to overthrow our entire democracy. Yay! Hillary is just so tone deaf, you never know what's going to come out of her mouth. Aye, aye, aye. We cannot have a strong relationship with Russia for good or ill if we basically allow them to undermine the basic exercise of our democracy, Clinton said. I think Putin has a very clear agenda, which is to weaken not only our democracy, but all of the Western democracies, she said. So here she talking, she's talking about having a relationship with Russia for good or for ill. And remember that Hillary was the one who brought out that, that reset button and they, they pushed the reset button, ha ha. And our relations with Russia were supposed to be all fixed and over. Now she's saying that we cannot have a strong relationship f with Russia for good or ill if we basically allow them to undermine the basic exercise of our democracy. So obviously we need to put measures in place that will prevent Russia for, from election meddling. Again, there's no doubt in my mind that they meddle in our elections and others and that we do the same to everyone. We're the, we're the kings and queens of regime change wars. Um, but the fact that she says that, you know, Russia's undermining the basic exercise of our democracy, now that's not true. There are things we need to do. We need to disconnect voting systems from the internet. Paper ballots would be exceptional. They would be so much better than anything electric. You know, it would also be great if we didn't undermine our own democracy by throwing ballots out into the garbage. Uh, like happened in New York, we should not gerrymander so that African Americans cannot vote or their votes don't count. We should do away with the electoral college again so minorities actually have a vote. The way our elections are run, you know, leave Russia out of the picture. The way we run our elections is absolutely despicable in this country. So yeah, take steps to make sure Putin can't interfere. Take steps to make sure no one can interfere in our elections. Revite, like redo the entire way that our elections are run and we'll be in much better shape. And I agree on the point that Hillary made saying, I think Putin has a very clear agenda, which is to weaken not only our democracy, but all of the Western democracies. Again, I agree with that. I think that's a valid statement, but it doesn't mean that Trump has colluded. It doesn't mean any of that. Now, he did 100% try to obstruct justice. So that's Hillary's take at Dartmouth College. Uh, you know, 
she really hasn't said very much on this Trump-Russia thing in the way that, like, nothing that's really taken over the media, at least. Um, but now we kind of see what some of her views are. So, there you have it. Good old Hill. Now then, as some of you know, I spent last weekend from Friday to Sunday near the Venezuelan embassy and at the Venezuelan embassy in D.C., and if you go to our channel, you'll see some of the videos, some of the footage that I shot there showing the opposition, the pro-Wido people just being absolutely uh, disrespectful, you know, shining lights in people's faces, flashing the lights back and forth, which can cause seizures in people and other health problems, um, confronting, you know, journalists. They confronted me. They shine you know, shown their lights in my face, in the camera lens, um, made kissing sounds like at me, you know, just sexist stuff, demeaning stuff. They told me to go home, made sure I knew that I wasn't welcome there as a journalist. And they, they've tried to break into the embassy. So in case you're not familiar with it, Inside the Venezuelan embassy are embassy protectors, and the embassy protectors are literally protecting the embassy. So the current um, democratically elected government has allowed them to be in their embassy to protect it from these people who want to overthrow the current democratically elected government, the pro Juan Guaido people. So the pro Juan Guaido people are just, you know, they run bullhorns all day. They yell into megaphones all day. They just ca cause all kinds of havoc and noise. And their mission is to drive the people inside out, to drive journalists out, to drive the supporters who show up on the streets out. They're, they're just rude and, and awful, you know. I met maybe three uh, pro Guaido people who were willing to talk with me and I actually interviewed them. I might post that. We'll I have to go through the footage and see. Um, but the rest, I, I hate to say it about like a large group of people, but oh my goodness, they, these aren't good people. You know, if you were just walking up on the scene there at the U.S. Embassy and just observe for a little bit, you'd instantly see which side you would want to be on. And the side you'd want to be on is the side of peace. The peaceful embassy protectors, their supporters like Code Pink, Medea Benjamin, Ariel Gold, uh, they're peaceful, as is in their name. And the pro-Guido people are not peaceful. They want war. They want regime change. Um, they welcome U.S. military intervention. They are they're on the, the wrong side. They're generally wealthy. They're generally lighter skinned and a lot of them have been connected to high-powered, very wealthy jobs within the United States. So some people think they're plants. I'm not going to, you know, spread rumors. Who knows what they are? Who knows if they're getting paid or have directions from the top or whatever. All I know is they accuse the peace protectors of being paid and of having millions of dollars and things like this, which they don't. So that's what's going on at the Venezuelan embassy. And here is an update. This is in Mint Press. 
Mint Press Gray Zone journalists endure U.S. government blackout and siege at Venezuelan embassy in D.C. The Trump administration is violating international law and harassing American journalists in plain sight. These actions are sadly taking place in a country that prides itself on upholding the First Amendment to its constitution, which should be protecting press freedom. And I really apologize about how I'm going to pronounce this name. Um, I'm going to say this is by Minar Mahawesh. And I'm so sorry to that person, to that journalist um, for not getting their name correct. Washington. Mint Press News journalist Alexander Rubenstein and a reporter for the Gray Zone, Anya Parampil, are besieged inside the Venezuelan embassy in Washington and have been since April 30th in an egregious attack against press freedom. On Wednesday evening, events took a turn for the worse as the Metropolitan D.C. police cut off the power and water to the building. A violation of international law under the Vienna Diplomatic Convention's Article 25, which reads, The receiving state shall accord full facilities for the performance of the functions of the diplomatic mission. So, as I told you, there are peace protectors on the inside of the embassy, and they, uh, you know, supporters bring them food, and of course the pro-Guaido people try to block them and in some cases even steal the food which is crazy to me that you could do that deprive people of food a basic necessity but now the dc police which seem to be on the pro guido side and i think they've been getting their directions from the top um they've cut the water and power off you know now people can't use water water a basic human need power what we do need now in this modern society you know this sounds silly maybe but people do need to charge their cell phones uh, in case of emergency they need power in case of emergency there are older people in there who need their medicines who need food it's very sad that the dc police are, are breaking international law and being complicit with the pro guido crowd it's absolutely terrible. Anya Parample tweeted, watch one of Carlos Vecchio's. So this Carlos Vecchio is pro Guido. And I believe that under the uh, Guido, you know, he's making up his own fake government, essentially. I believe he would be one of the ambassadors uh, for Guido or one of the ambassador's workers. He would be someone who, if Guido were actually in power, would be working inside the embassy. So Anya says, watch one of Carlos Vecchio's suited up thugs announce to a cheering crowd of rabid hooligans that U.S. authorities have illegally shut off electricity inside the Maduro government's embassy. Too bad for them. The Embassy Protection Collective still stands strong. It's in Spanish. But you can see that people are cheering. Hopefully you speak Spanish because I do not. But we can translate Carlos Vecchio's tweet here. 
and he says to the invaders of our embassy who comfortably defend the usurping regime we have decided to give them a bit of experience of living in venezuela under the failed socialism of maduro as of this moment they will not have electric power next step your exit again why are the dc police and secret service working hand in hand with these people with this supposed regime these these people who aren't even in power the u.s wants juan guaido, guaido to be in power but he is not in power maduro is the president but the united states reckon, uh, recognizes juan guaido as the leader of venezuela unfortunately Anya also says account balance of the Venezuelan embassy is zero dollars. It is legal. Its legal owners have paid the bill. Sources also tell me Pepco promised not to shut off power as of yesterday at Pepco Connect. Are you aware this shutoff is a violation of international law? Vienna Diplomatic Conventions Article 25. So it's also Pepco Energy that is uh, complicit in this. The bill's fully paid off, yet they allow the electricity to be cut off to an embassy. It's an embassy. How can they cut off the power? There is little doubt that this blackout and the other illegal punitive measures taken against activists and journalists inside the embassy, which have been described by the activists as sanctions, were intended to silence journalists covering the Embassy Protection Collective's efforts to protect the Venezuelan embassy from fascist, pro-Venezuela coup protesters. On Wednesday night, after the power was cut, I spoke with Rubenstein, who said he had 5% battery left on his phone. Members of the collective are living inside the embassy at the invitation of the elected government of Venezuela and show no signs of backing down. U.S. government tactics in Venezuela mirror tactics in D.C. In a video statement, Kevin Zeese of Popular Resistance and an activist with the Embassy Protection Collective revealed that the collective has been prepared for the electricity shutdown and pointed to parallels between the way the U.S. government treats the Venezuelan people and what it is doing to the Embassy Collective. Let's try to watch this video. We expected this, we're prepared for it, and we're not leaving. Uh, it's ironic that the United States government attacked Venezuela's electric grid, and now they're attacking the embassy of Venezuela's electricity. They attacked uh, Venezuela with sanctions that meant food was difficult to get. They've used sanctions to protect, protect us, prevent us from getting food as well. The people of Venezuela have stood in solidarity and strength against these attacks. We're going to do the same thing here. We're not leaving. We're going to resist. We're going to stand in solidarity with the Venezuelan people in the elected government of Venezuela. We're still here, choosing love over fear. There you have it. Um, statement from those inside. And Anya says, U.S. authorities illegally cut off power at the Maduro government's dip diplomatic mission. The Embassy Protection Collective releases a statement saying they were prepared for this, aren't going anywhere, and see parallels between Washington's treatment of Venezuelan people and embassy protectors. Rubenstein and Perample's coverage is drawing attention to the violent face of the U.S.-backed Venezuelan opposition and to the dire treatment Venezuelans face if the U.S.-backed coup succeeds and installs the Juan Guaido government. 
the journalists live streams photography and tweets from their social media pages and coverage for Mint Press News and the Gray Zone have gone viral. Pro-coup protesters are shown assaulting peaceful embassy protectors, violently breaking into the building and vandalizing property, threatening to rape and kill embassy protectors and journalists inside, yelling racist and sexist slurs at them, and taunting the residents of the embassy and journalists by name, and assaulting anyone attempting to bring food inside the building, including women and a 72-year-old man. On Wednesday evening, the pro-coup protesters assaulted the 72-year-old president of Veterans for Peace, Jerry Condon, for symbolically trying to deliver a single cucumber to the embassy protectors. He was then assaulted and tackled again by the Secret Service. Instead of arresting the assailants, the Secret Service arrested the elderly man, the injured elderly man. Please join me in calling on DC Mayor Muriel Bowser, the Committee to Protect Journalists, Amnesty International, and Human Rights Watch to demand that the DC Metropolitan Police and Secret Service be held accountable for allowing harm towards these journalists. Restore power so that these journalists can continue their reporting and remove the siege that the Secret Service has perversely reinforced on the building to allow food, water, and medical supplies in. It's only a matter of time before these activists could be violently evicted from the embassy by the supporters of the U.S.-appointed Juan Guaido, despite being invited by the legal government of Venezuela. But the journalists that could be documenting this clear violation of international law are being blocked from reporting it to the world. Such a blackout is worthy of a tin pot dictatorship. The Trump administration is violating international law and harassing American journalists in plain sight. These actions are sadly taking place in a country that prides itself on upholding the First Amendment to its constitution, which should be protecting press freedom. Let's go ahead and go over to the video showing the arrest. Alex Rubenstein, the journalist, posted, Breaking, police violently arrest the president of VFP National, and that's Veterans for Peace, Jerry Condone, for trying to get food into the embassy. He is left with lacerations on his face. At Ursula Razum, also arrested. Opposition walks away with stolen food. Let's play this. Through. Let them 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 goodness the way that they treated that man for trying to deliver a cucumber to the embassy protectors is absolutely absurd and, ins and insane those officers should be highly reprimanded I mean we have the footage it's 
it's absolutely despicable what they did to that man. And the fact that he was left with lacerations on his face is just absolutely inexcusable. So this last story is, what is it? Hold on one second, is another water story. And you know that we cover Flint a lot, but Flint is not the only place that's having water issues, unfortunately. And this is by CBS News. A new study claims 43 states expose millions to dangerous chemical and drinking water. This is by Brian Paskus. A new report by the nonprofit Environmental Working Group and Northeastern University finds people in nearly every state in the country are exposed to unhealthy drinking water. According to the researchers, 43 states have locations, including drinking water sites contaminated with PFAS chemicals. The CDC says these chemicals have been linked to health issues that include birth defects, cancers, and infertility. The study compiled information taken from Pentagon data and water utility reports. It shows an estimated 19 million people are exposed to contaminated water. Researchers found at least 610 contaminated locations, ranging from public water systems and military bases to civilian airports, industrial plants, dumps, and firefighter training sites. This should be frightening to all Americans in many ways, David Andrews, a senior scientist for the Environmental Working Group, told CBSN's Anne-Marie Green. These chemicals, they don't break down in our body and they don't break down in our environment and they actually stick to our blood, so levels tend to increase over time. The Environmental Working Group said in a statement that its interactive map is the most comprehensive resource available to track contamination with a class of chemicals known as PFAS in the United States. According to the Environmental Protection Agency, PFAS are used in a broad range of consumer goods, such as cleaners, textiles, leather, paper and paints, firefighting foams, and wire insulation. These chemicals can impact a lot of different health systems, cause numerous health problems, everything from testicular and kidney cancer, heart to the liver, heart to the thyroid, Andrew said, adding that the chemicals can also impact childhood development, low birth weight, and immune system health. Take a look at that map. The purple are military sites, the blue drinking water, the red other known sites. The Environmental Protection Agency has utterly failed to address PFAS with the seriousness this crisis demands, leaving local, local communities and states to grapple with a complex problem rooted in the failure of the federal chemi chemical regulatory system, said Ken Cook, president of the Environmental Working Group, which has studied these compounds for almost two decades. EPA must move swiftly to set a truly health protective legal limit for all PFAS chemicals requiring utilities to clean up contaminated water supplies. The updated map shows that PFAS contamination is truly a nationwide problem, impacting millions of Americans and hundreds of communities, said Phil Brown, a professor of sociology and health sciences at Northeastern University and director of the Social Science Environmental Health Research Institute. This report comes less than a week after another study by the Environmental Working Group claimed a collection of toxic chemical pollutants found in California drinking water could be responsible for an excess of 15,000 estimated cancer cases over the coming decades. 
Scientists published that study in the journal Environmental Health after finding toxins and carcinogens in more than 2,700 California community water systems between 2011 and 2015. The agency released a PFAS action plan this year outlining concrete steps the agency is taking to address PFAS and to protect public health. That's from the EPA. The EPA also provided a statement to CBS News about their response to the EWG's interactive map showing detections of PFAS at specific locations. EWG's map seems to show any samples for PFAS chemicals that have been collected, which may or may not be detections. Because EPA has not fully reviewed the quality of the underlying data, and based on the agency's commitment to good risk communication with the public, EPA cannot recommend the map be used to determine where public health risks associated with PFAS chemicals may or may not exist. The agency's efforts continue to be focused on taking the actions committed to in the PFAS action plan. Water is obviously the most essential thing to our life. You know, if we want to have life, we need water. We, our bodies are around 70% water. The earth is around 70% water. The fact that these PFAS chemicals are abundant and everywhere and something that everyone has to worry about is extremely concerning. There should be sirens going off everywhere. Everyone, check your water. You know, look, look at the map, the interactive map that the environmental working group put out and see if you are in, at risk in particular. It's not surprising at all that the EPA is brushing off the um, environmental working group, is brushing off these concerns. That's what they do. So even though the EPA might say things are fine or people are overreacting, never listen to them. The environmental working group doesn't have you know, a, an incentive to tell you that these PFAS chemicals are a huge problem all around the country. You need to check the map, make sure you're safe. And it's unfortunate that in America that we need to be doing that. But it's all these consumer products that are unfortunately causing these health hazards, these PFAS chemicals to be abundant in our water supply.